It's Monday, February 12th, 2018. Hey, how's it going? My name is Daniel Bader, and this is the Android Central Podcast. Joining me this week, Andrew Martinick, fresh and bushy-tailed from uh, Southern California. What? I don't know. Okay. And uh, Jerry Hildenbrand, not fresh nor bushy-tailed. I am the fresh prince of Bunker Hill. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think I would watch that show. For what, twelve seasons? At no. least. Not how many seasons did Fresh Prince have? It was like seven. Not, not few, enough. Fewer than twelve. Not enough. Um, I was actually talking with somebody today about how like the everybody's still mad all these years later that new Aunt Viv, the I think like second ah. season and beyond Aunt Viv, is still not as good as like first season Aunt Viv. And like there's still a very vocal percentage of the fresh prince audience who like is standing for old aunt viv and it's it's i love it i'm i'm gonna stand up for old aunt viv forever because she's amazing um i could not think of an argument more pedantic about the tv show is every single argument on the internet about a tv show is pedantic andrew that's that's true okay oh my god everything okay let's just say it like it basically just expand on that every argument on the internet period is pedantic it is and i'm glad we can feed into that on androidcentral.com generally uh the worst place on i was the internet is the worst place on the internet uh pretty much so today we're going to talk about some android stuff because our name is android central but we're also going to talk a little bit about sort of the 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 way that i guess the industry prepares for MWC and how everything this year in 2018 is more or less going to be focused on the Galaxy S9 and Samsung as a company. The The company itself has had a very, very strong last few months. The Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus and Note 8 were probably, I mean, were the most popular phones of 2017 in the Android space. And there's no reason to think the S9 will be any different. However, we know a few things about it, and we'll talk about it, and uh, where all the other companies are going to be, because a lot of them are not going to be in Barcelona. But first, uh, Jerry, we're going to talk about an article that you wrote last week, and we didn't get to it um, in our previous podcast. We, we, we touched on it, but then then things happened. You got in touch with OnePlus, you learned a bit more about the situation, and and you wrote, I would say, a very fair response to your own excoriation of the company. thank you. I think it was great. I think it was, you know what, and I think a lot of the commenters, too, were appreciative of the fact that you were, you gave both sides of the argument equal play in those two articles. Well, I I think that's responsible, and that should be done every time, so... I appreciate the, you know, telling me I did a good job, but to me, that's just how it should always be. And yes, I'm blasting everyone else who writes for a living on the internet. <laughs> yeah, because everything is pedantic. Yes. It? So talk a little bit about this. OnePlus came out, they responded to some questions you had about the um, the, the breach, uh, this credit, the credit card breach, and also just explaining a little bit of, 
what happened with the clipboard app that was shipped in the beta version of Oreo um, that was now deleted. As far as the technical details, uh, the clipboard is interesting to me. It's uh, two competing businesses in China, and depending on which phone you have, text links that are links to other products can be blocked. They monitor the clipboard to help unblock those for you in uh, your messaging app, which is pretty awesome. You know, as long as they're telling you they're doing it, that's that's great. That's fine. But it all goes back to the bigger problem is that that was buried. The the answer of what it's doing, you know, you, you find that somebody says, well, it's monitoring your clipboard and it's checking for this long list of words. And then their initial response is, no, it's not a problem and it's only for China. And then it's just a long list of pedantic Internet arguments where <laughs> somebody that – I do this for a living. I spend at least 10 hours a day, every day on the internet reading this kind of junk. I didn't find any explanation, any real response. If you do a search for it, the first five pages in Google are everybody with a blog blasting OnePlus about how bad it is. OnePlus's message was lost, completely lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I talked to... uh, the representative from OnePlus, I don't know if I can say who it is or not. I, I don't I don't know how that company works, so I won't do anything stupid. He he explained to me their their issues. Uh the credit card thing, well, you know, they're they're not telling us everything until the investigation's done. They assured me that after they were initially told that that this was happening, they did everything they could do to make sure not a single person would be affected again. If somebody went to buy something the next day, it wasn't working the same way as it did when it was breached. Now, they didn't tell us how they did it or what they did, and I don't blame them for that. Wait until the investigation is finished and give us all the answers. But that message, again, it's lost. You can't find it anywhere, you know, that, you know, trust us, we are making sure this isn't happening right now. Yes, it happened. We are horrible people. We're fixing it. We're going to find out what happened. Give us an email. We're going to help you make sure you, you you know, nobody's stealing your money, but you'll have to trust us that we're making sure it's not happening. That's a valid response. That's fair for this type of thing. But when that gets lost in, in the internet, that doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. This turned from me being upset and one plus falling under my three strike rule, you know, as far as security, it's my three strike rule three times with no good explanation. And you're out. It changed from that to there were good explanations. One plus didn't do the greatest job of getting those out there. And we, as internet enthusiasts buried the valid information that we needed to know under a mountain of garbage while we were arguing about it. I don't know how you fix that, but that's what happened here, and that's a shame. So, Andrew, tell me if I'm if I'm onto something here. So, a lot of the less obvious mess ups by OnePlus in recent months and, and even years has been since the the consolidation of the um, Oxygen OS and Hydrogen OS teams, because what happened then and I, you know, end of 2015, early 2016 was that the 
companies basically, or the company took, they laid off a bunch of people and then they took the, a, a lot of them were former HCC software engineers that were working on Hydrogen OS, which at the time was the Chinese variant of one of Oxygen OS. And they put them all together and they said, this will essentially um, make software updates faster. They'll make our whole process more efficient. But in doing so, they've let a bunch of Chinese-specific issues get caught and trapped, I guess, in the narrative of, of the U.S. software releases. And because most of us have no um, real understanding of that very complicated market, and as Jerry said, the way that many companies interact and the way that the government is constantly involved in the release of these hardware and software updates, we don't quite grasp what like the, the, the very subtle nuances of what OnePlus is trying to do. Yeah, it really it really does seem like that's what's happening, where it makes sense, obviously, to combine the engineers working on both the you know Chinese-specific uh, ROM and the, the kind of rest of world development, but it seems like they went a bit too far in kind of just consolidating all of the uh, source code or large portions of the source code, and that's where you let these things go through. And I think we kind of touched about this on the last podcast where we said kind of the the issue is there isn't necessarily that fine-tooth comb going over a lot of this stuff before it's heading out and a lot of not the simplest mistakes but catchable mistakes are making it out. And like we just said, all it takes is to get a little bit of that stuff that used to be completely separate in the Chinese-specific ROM that was not understood necessarily into the rest of the world ROM and getting huge exposure in Western media that, you know, really turns the, the molehill into a mountain. Right. Exactly. And I, I, I think it's incumbent on us to understand the Chinese market better. I mean, a lot of people kind of conflate what's happening in the Chinese smartphone market with, what's happening in the world at, at large, because a lot of Chinese companies have a presence in North America and Europe, but there's a lot of, it's very difficult for American and European companies to really penetrate into China. And we know this because of companies like Oppo and Vivo and Xiaomi that have outsized market share and and cultural influence in China and how they basically have zero presence in the rest of the world. I mean, Xiaomi's obviously got quite significant market share in India and everywhere it, it enters, it does have an impact. But, you know, Samsung, for instance, does not have nearly the same effect. And S9, for instance, is not going to completely overshadow the rest of the releases from Xiaomi or Oppo or Vivo. Um, right. Apple seems to be the exception, but even now compared to 2014 when the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus came out, Apple's market share has diminished significantly in China. So mm-hmm. we don't really understand the major differences, not to mention the fact from a software perspective, as Jerry mentioned, companies like Alibaba, like 
WeChat, they have everybody completely immersed in their ecosystems. There's a cultural difference too. I, you know, I, I've never lived in, in the East. I, I wish I had. Uh, I've been there on multiple occasions for business. And there are big cultural differences. And I don't mean that in any stereotypical way. But, you know, from birth through the formative years, in one part of the world, you're you're growing up with a certain mindset. And in another part of the world, you're growing up with another mindset and people from China especially are very proud of what their fellow countrymen are able to do. If I, you know, were to step out on a tightrope and that's what I'm doing here, people would buy people in China would buy a a phone from a, a Huawei or a Vivo and accept more bugs and more problems than they would from a Samsung phone because they're they're very proud to support their fellow countrymen. And th- I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's something that we don't really see here as much in the United States. I went by my wife, you know, we went shopping and, and she wanted to buy a new dryer. We, you know, I, I didn't look for a Westinghouse dryer. And, you know, if LG made a great Which one. You know, made in China yeah, now anyway. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about Shop America and and that has a, a bad stereotype here in the States. We, we tend to make fun of people who say buy American, but that's just not as acceptable here as it is in China. And that's a big difference. I would go a step further and explain that. Uh, yes, they, there, there is a little bit of that, but there's also just the fact that um, Huawei as a Chinese company has built smartphones for the market that they oh, know certainly. best and have known the longest amount of time. Uh, I think if you look at the way that Samsung and to a lesser extent LG have made their way into the Western market, uh, they were not uh, always so well-tuned to the demands of the Western market when they first brought their phones over, especially when you look at something like the Galaxy S2, Galaxy S3, even the Galaxy S4 era. It was still very much... Uh, kind of a, the a Korean interpretation of the smartphone brought over here, and of course, it was a big formative time for you know big smartphones in general, and so they latched on. But if you look at Samsung today, Samsung U.S. and Samsung in Europe are just it, it's just a completely different group of people running the show there, and that's one thing that Huawei's Huawei and um, Oppo and you know, companies like this have tried to do with separate sub brands or side brands or whatever that are tuned from the start to the Western market. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen this play out with the mate 10 pro Huawei. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even talking about carrier availability here. I'm just talking about the way that people have continued, including us continue to push back against Huawei software decisions. Um, and there's a very, market difference between um, a company like, say, HTC that still has a, I, I would say, a uh, they, they still try to differentiate on the software side from, a, from an app and a design perspective. But I, I don't think anybody's complaining about HTC's decisions in that regard. Whereas hmm. Huawei definitely is 
opinionated. And those opinions are being slowly whittled away every every year with every release. OnePlus, I think, has made the right decision to stay opinionated in the ways that its Chinese customers want while sort of giving in to Google's idea of what of, of what Android should look like. And that's not to say that stock, you know, equals best, right? This is the argument that we hear all the time. Stock versus TouchWiz, stock versus EMUI. That's not even the point. The point is that what interaction model works best with Android? Why are we always defending the Pixel, right? It's not a matter of we think the Pixel is better than the Galaxy S whatever. It's that when we use those phones, we don't fight with our phones as much. And I think mm. that's what it comes down to. I've spent hours fighting with EMUI 8. I hate EMUI 8. It's so <laughs> bad. And there are small things that Huawei could do to fix the problems, and it chooses not to. Not because there's no feedback, but because it chooses to be opinionated in ways that to us, to North Americans, make no sense, but to its Chinese audience may make a lot of sense. So there, there's yeah, two options. I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, uh, this isn't anything new. We, As Andrew said, we saw this from Samsung when Android was new. Uh, th- they have two options. They can either change it and get more people in the West to accept it, or they can convince people in the West that this is really good. Samsung did a little bit of both, and they were very successful. That means any company can do it. Samsung is, you know, they're a huge company. They have tons of money for all of their different interests, but that doesn't mean any other company can't do the exact same thing if they really want to. Yeah, that's true. So we'll leave the OnePlus discussion there. I think we've exhausted it a little bit, but also I think the feedback that OnePlus has received, not just from you, Jerry, but from a lot of uh, North American and and European media is that it needs to be cognizant of the way that its Chinese-specific changes um, look to the rest of the world. If only because there are people who don't trust OnePlus and will pick apart literally every piece of code that it includes in every beta Mm. to try to find pernicious things that OnePlus is doing. So it needs to be far more vigilant than any other OEM right now releasing phones in North America. I wish we had the same types of people looking at all the OEMs the same way. And I hope OnePlus realizes on some level that's a good thing, that they have an, an extra level of you know code inspection from people who are very skeptical and don't like what they're doing at all that's a great thing when you're trying to ship a complicated product so jerry you also wrote something that i think is is worth talking about it's a a column that you wrote called cheap android phones shouldn't be disposable and this comes back to the argument that we we make for oneplus a lot uh, but also Motorola and ZTE and a lot of these other companies that put out inexpensive Android phones. And the argument here is that the hardware is getting better every year. The Honor 7X, for instance, great hardware. Moto G5 Plus, great hardware. But the software is not taken seriously from a 
features perspective, but also from a security perspective, especially a security perspective. Right. And and you're you're arguing that these companies and the carriers that's that that um that sell the products should and have an obligation to their customers to support those phones longer. Uh, absolutely. Uh and from a security perspective, I, I I think that any company that does not keep a phone up to date with security patches throughout its life is a company you should never buy another phone from. And I'll leave that at that. And that goes for, you know, Google has done it. Samsung's done it. All the big names have done it. Shame on them. We should kick back with our wallets. Our information is that important. But from a user feature and you know, just general, how good does this phone work point of view? It is a, it's a shame what's going on out there. And, and I found a perfect example with a, LG makes a phone called the, the Stylo 3. They've made, a, you know, a Stylo 1 and 2. And it's extremely popular. Right. And, it, and it's, it's a, a very cheap knockoff of a Note 8. Let's, let's just say it. It's got a big screen, it's got an integrated stylus, and it's, you know, a decent phone. Because hardware has gotten so good, it's an amazing phone compared to cheap phones from just five years ago. It, it, it is a phone you could buy and use for two years without any problems. Except you know, there's bugs in it. There's bugs in all software. And there are things that does. Uh, I've seen complaints, uh, messaging apps randomly close whenever you bring the keyboard up. That's a huge complaint for that phone. LG has addressed that. LG has, has made a, a software update for that phone. The, the, the phone happens to be one of these phones that carriers buy, including, you know, prepaid smaller name NVNO type carriers to give away or sell very cheap to try to attract customers. When you do that, the, these phones are no longer the same. The, the Stylo 3 from T-Mobile is not the same as the Stylo 3 from Verizon Prepaid or from uh, Straight Talk or whoever else is selling Metro PCS, right, et cetera. Right, right. Uh, T-Mobile has updated their version to fix that bug with the messaging apps and as a slew of other bugs. Verizon is scheduled to do the same. Uh, Boost Mobile, uh, Metro PCS, you know, they're never going to update that phone. And that, you know, where do you point the finger when it comes to that? That's... You know, that's definitely a, a problem with the people who contracted with LG to buy the phone. Those people then turned around and took your money. But you have other phones, and I'll pick on LG here, and, and people from LG, you know I love you. You've made phones and never bothered to update them, even if carriers wanted the updates. These cheap phones are no longer just garbage. They're not a thing that you... Six months later, you have to toss it and get another one. Now they're phones that you can actually keep for two, maybe even three years. And the, the companies that are taking our money need to acknowledge that and, and give them the same level of care that they do the $800 phones. And yes, I know that's not going to be a popular opinion because that means they're losing money. Well, I can't help that. You, you don't, you can't say that I don't deserve as well or taken care of from Toyota if I buy a Corolla as if I do when I buy a brand new Forerunner. Toyota takes care of me either way. No, but th that's a good point because these companies, you don't pay 
Toyota ask, uh, to to update your car or in the first year your car's service is likely taking care of it for five years, whatever it is, and then you pay for it. But you are paying T-Mobile monthly service. Absolutely. And what, what I find really interesting is that there's no um there's no talk of paying more to your carrier for the privilege of receiving updates. We've never brought this up. And it's an interesting conversation because should there be an option for you to add five, ten dollars a month to guarantee security updates? Or is it on the on the carrier on the OEM to push out those security updates? I mean, we're we're in this fractured market, Andrew, that I find really interesting because there is no equivalent to once your car's warranty is expired, you just pay for service. You pay for an oil change, you pay for everything. It's the same it's 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 sort of the same with phones while there's a warranty, but that's only for hardware. On the software side, you're kind of SOL. Yeah, that is very interesting and I I'm not sure if you are the first person to come up with it, but it's the first <laughs> time I've I've heard of this discussion because it is kind of like um you know, different phone makers offer different levels of uh, hardware um, warranties. You know, HTC has their more lenient extended warranty. Companies like Samsung sell extra levels of protection, you know, where you can smash your phone and only pay, what is it, $99 for a replacement, you know, stuff like that. Um, the only difference with software is there's this huge fixed cost of keeping the phones up to date. And so they would have to really, they would have to reach a certain uh, critical mass of people with an LG Stylo 3 on Metro PCS who were willing to pay for ongoing support. And as soon as they, because it always comes down to a cost thing, no matter what. Unfortunately, when we're talking about these cheap phones, we're talking about phones that are on very thin margins and they're made cheaper, in fact, by the carriers because they're getting. Uh, they're often subsidizing them because they're trying to entice people to sign up and things like that. So once you fall under that threshold, maybe it requires 30,000 people who own this phone to pay monthly or yearly or whatever, your pay up front for two years of security updates. As soon as you fall under that threshold of where it doesn't make sense for LG to spend money on this, which currently that threshold is apparently zero, uh, uh, users, how do you handle that at that point? Because the software updates can't really be an on-demand thing. Right? Uh, there's a fixed cost to developers. I, 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 I feel like I'm reading Atlas Shrugged here. You guys saying people should pay to be taken care of after they've bought a physical good? Screw that. If if and I'll I'll pick on T-Mobile and LG because they did the right thing. That means that you get to be picked on. If they sell a phone that they don't want to make sure it works for the people that bought it, stop selling it. Just stop. If you can't afford to to fix it and give people what they paid for, stop. It's only sell iPhones and only charge people, you know, full price and you know that that's the other extreme. You can't force a user to be responsible for the goods he purchased in good faith to work as advertised. That that's not acceptable. I I can agree with you there because I on some level I can agree with you there because they from the operator or the carrier perspective it gets gray 
because you are paying them monthly, yearly, whatever for service. I think that the problem is we don't have a good, you know, culturally, we don't have a good definition for what you expect from your phone maker and your phone carrier when it comes to software updates, unless you have an explicit kind of situation with like a pixel where they spell it out you they say you get two years of these updates and three years of those updates but no other carriers have that kind of or um manufacturers have that kind of guarantee so what users expect is completely unlinked to anything that the manufacturer has said that they will do i i just think it's worth mentioning jerry that um You know, you're talking about largely the obligation of the carrier and going back to the LG Stylo 3, this is a a single SKU or at least a a SKU that is very similar, sold by both GSM and CDMA carriers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sold by Sprint and Boost as well as Cricket and and, uh, all these others. And we can say with reasonable certainty that LG is not heavily modifying the software for each vendor, but there are, there there are going to be some carrier specific um, modifications and those modifications, the ones that are, are um, requested by the carriers, those actually put the carrier in a position of obligation somewhat, but, but, and hang on a second, but before that happens, there must be some sort of a contract agreement either behind the scenes um, where the con- the carrier and the OEM will say, okay, what's your update schedule going to be? If those conversations aren't happening, that's a problem. But once again, you pay Boost and Cricket and Metro PCS less per month on purpose right? Yeah, you pay them right? less per month so that you don't have all this overhead. So is an AT&T more obligated or a Verizon more obligated to update your phone than a Boost or a Sprint or, or a, a Metro? Only if they agree to before you buy a phone from them. Well, and let, let's take that further. If they have an advertisement in their store telling you that you can use this phone to send text messages but the text messaging app is broken, that's that's a whole, you know, that's that's different. They have to fix that. That is like Toyota telling me, because you bought a Corolla instead of a 4Runner, we don't care that the paint's peeled off after 30 days. You no, that sounds that, more like, <laughs> I mean, the, the paint is is just a is an external thing. It's basically saying, oh, the like the paint on your phone chipped, that's not a, that, that's, oh, you're that's right. not that our problem. That was a poor, poor example. But also, much as I love car analogies just from liking cars, the difference here is that the only place you can go for a software update for your LG Stylo 3 is LG. You can't – don't at me about rooting and roaming. I don't (laughs) don't care. You can't go to Joe's independent software shop and go get an update to fix your Stylo 3. But there's another level of complexity there. Because T-Mobile and Boost and everybody else has said, hey, make these small changes and put these in the system for us. And we want to be able to monitor usage for, you know, people that aren't on unlimited plans, put this in there. These are very small changes, but those changes mean LG can no longer 
number one, update the LG Stylo 3 as a whole. They have to do it individually. And number two, they can't redistribute, you know, redistribute the, that without explicit permission from the carriers that gave them the code to inject. It's a huge mess that we, and we haven't even went to, you know, well, Qualcomm has to be part of the update as well. Everybody that is involved in making the phone is part of the update process. My mm-hmm. thing though, is that is not the user's responsibility. That is for LG and T-Mobile and Qualcomm and, you know, Bright smart, whoever is involved in making that phone and getting it in a user's hands, that's for them to sort out. Did you just the, say Breitbart? Well, I I believe you're looking for Bright Star. Bright Star, yes. But you said I might have. You said Bright Smart. He said I might have. So that was the difference. It's like if uh, if uh, South Star American a, uh, if South American carrier was yeah. also. A, a a news website right. pandering or anyway mm. let's not even go there but um so look i i also think th- this topic is really interesting because um of of the the shifting definitions of carriers in general right andrew we're talking about some people want carriers to be dumb pipes where all they do is just pass along cell phone or cell service to you and their obligation is done from that point. But then we have phones, and I'll use the ZTE Axon M from AT&T as a good example, because it basically falls under the complete opposite definition of a dumb pipe. Because this is AT&T, the carrier, exclusively selling a phone that it worked on with ZTE. This phone would not exist if AT&T had not come to ZTE and said, we want a foldable phone. And the only reason they wanted a foldable phone was to push direct TV, right? This is yeah. the vertical integration story. AT&T owns direct TV. It wants to own Time Warner so it can push HBO and all these other content channels. That <laughs> We heard you like watching videos, so why don't you have a second screen so you can watch video while you're doing everything else? Precisely. And that therein lies the problem. So whenever AT&T decides that it wants to push out an update to the Axon M, it basically has to work side by side with ZTE and not just to fix bugs and to push out, you know, uh, you know, crack updates or whatever it's to, or crack fixes. It's literally because, Hey, direct TV is changing. We need to add this feature. You need to put these system level files in this folder. And that completely messes up that entire expectation because AT&T's obligation is not to sell you a phone and keep it updated with security patches. It's to sell you a phone so that it can continue pushing its subscription services. And I think, honestly, I mean, if you want to go back to freaking Ayn, Ayn Rand, like, Jerry, this is only solvable at the regulator. I hate to say it. So but do if I. We, uh, oh, if we want obligation, we want step, carriers though. to be obligated to update their phones, this needs to be an FCC thing. No, okay, pump the brakes on that by one step <laughs> because the, I agree with you. I think the Axon, like saying the Axon M was basically built by AT and T, is a perfect example of why we need to just continue to break the mold of thinking that your phone comes from your carrier because this problem is greatly, greatly diminished 
by not buying phones from carriers. Right. All, most, not all, most of the problems we're describing stem from the fact that you have multiple SKUs of the same phone and the phones are extra cheap because the, uh, because the carriers are subsidizing them for customers. So there's, and the, then the customer of the phone, uh, uh, Sorry, the customer is, of course, the carrier, you know, not the end consumer from the manufacturer standpoint. This all works its way out if you're buying directly from the manufacturer. And then from that point, we can talk about which of them decides that they're going to you know, have an update guarantee and yada, yada, yada. That has to still be worked out. But there's no regulation that makes that happen, aside from regulation saying AT&T can't sell phones, which is just never going to happen because they make a massive amount of money uh, selling phones and associating them with all of their, their various monthly plans. Right. And I'm not, I'm not like, please, if you're a conservative who wants less <laughs> government, not more, please don't email me at andrew.martnick at mobilenations.com. Um, what, I, what I'm saying is... I don't want that. I don't want the regulator to have to get involved. But what I'm saying is that I don't see another way. I don't see well, I do another way for the other other than the fact that like, hey, if you value security updates by a BlackBerry or a Pixel, as we've been saying, but that shouldn't have to be. That shouldn't be the the only way to to get guaranteed security it, updates. I, I don't think it is. I I I I'm not a lawyer. I mean, thank goodness. But uh, I, I am almost certain that we can use our existing consumer protection laws and apply them to the way your smartphone works. If you buy, if I, the, the, the washer and dryer that, that we just bought, if I brought it home and in five days the, the dryer stopped working, LG is going to fix that dryer. They have to fix that dryer. If they don't, I'm going to take it back to Lowe's. Lowe's has to give me my money back. If I buy an LG Stylo 3 and I can't text anybody, somebody's going to give me my money back. That's how you uh, fix that, it. They already will. I don't it, know if they that's already the case. will. If it's if it's within the first two weeks, just like your dryer crapping out in the first, you know, it, it already they already but will. You take that a step further. What if? T-Mobile sends me an update that breaks my text app. Right. What happened to every LG phone in the last two years? That boot looped. Yes. There was a lawsuit. There was a class action lawsuit. People got money. The Nexus 6P as well. People got money. People are suing. Or There's a lawsuit right now because the original Pixel XL's microphone wasn't (laughs) working properly. I mean, people are... if, If there is going to be a lawsuit for anything that is that is that big but if you're just talking about the fact that your $200 LG phone can't use the stock messaging app to send an SMS that i think is that's a little bit more subtle because the um the urgency is not there from the manufacturer or the carrier right. to fix that problem nor is it necessarily an, an, an issue that can't be overcome by downloading another SMS app. Possibly, so, yes. I, I, I hear you. But I, the average person out there may not know that there's another messaging app to download, nor would they even know how to do that. They would just know that they can't send text messages. So where on that chain is 
the is a person or the company obligated to fix that? That's a great point because, well, yeah, I I think it's a great point just because it's easy to look at these egregious examples and say, you know, my my phone my phone can't make phone calls. Like that's pretty basic. That's pretty understandable of what's going on. Now, what happens when you get into again? most of these issues being gray areas, you know, at what point can you say that software is bad enough and the and the issues are egregious enough to warrant getting a replacement or a refund or anything like that? Can you say if your phone gets to two months out of date with a security patch, that warrants a, a refund? Six months, 12 months, should they... Should they be forced to update monthly for a year or two years or three years? It's not just black or white that the phone works or it doesn't. Software, like you said, all has bugs. All of it. All of these phones, they all have issues. Just look in our comments, look in our forums, look on Twitter. You will be able to find any phone that has any issue for a certain number of people and they they will come together on a product forum and demand that the company ceo be fired because of it now so that's the issue with trying to do some sort of a, a regulation or an understanding ahead of time of you know you can't just say we will not have buggy software because that's what all these agreements would come down to. So how the heck do you choose what's acceptable and what's not when, you know, you may not even have these issues apply to all devices. It may just be some situations that couldn't be checked ahead of time. How, you know, you're talking about holding companies accountable for things that they genuinely could not have known ahead of releasing the phone. So the thing is, we're also talking about two sets of potential um, user bases, right? We're talking about people who have a high-end phone that is aging. So say a Galaxy S6 or S7, they bought it. It was eight, 900 bucks when they bought it, but now it's two, three years old. Those security updates and those updates in general are now stopping. And then there are the people who bought the current generation inexpensive phones like the G like the the Stylo 3 and they may never see an update for instance my even my Moto G5 plus a phone that i think was the best budget phone of 2017 is still on android 7.0 and it still has a january sorry no not a january a an april 2017 security patch and this is an unlocked version pull the security patches out of this for a minute because i do you know, I, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I have talked to one if, and, and his example was extreme, if everybody with an iPhone was somehow got a dollar stolen from them from a bug in the software, only if they used Verizon for service, Verizon and Apple would be held liable for that. That's That fixes your security patches when this apocalypse that people like me predict yet pray never happens when it comes and ATT, you know, the, when when they have to fork out a bunch of money, then they'll reevaluate how and why they keep phones up to date for, you know, user privacy and security. And if they know there's a problem with a phone they sell and are under contract to maintain, and they don't fix it, they will be liable in almost every state. As another person that is also uh, not a lawyer, I can 
imagine that there are very smart people who are lawyers at LG and every other company that have written end user license agreements that everybody agrees to uh, that uh, indemnify them. Uh, Yeah. I'm sure that they've written them, but that's going to be hard to, to, to make stick. You know, you, you, you're not going to be able to place a clause in an indemnity or a, a user agreement that indemnifies you from negligence. And if there's a big issue and you're aware there's a big issue and you don't do your part to fix it for your active customers, that's negligent. So, okay, let, let's let's table this right now because we have a lot more stuff to get through and we're we're already 45 uh, minutes in here. So I would love to continue this and I think we should. And I, I just, think I'm passionate we will about have, it. We will have more conversations to this effect in the coming weeks because the Galaxy S8 uh, and Note 8 uh, Oreo updates are just coming out, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But what's interesting is that they're coming out in Poland and Germany, and that's basically it right now. That's where they always start in Eastern and yep. Western Europe, and mostly in Eastern Europe. Uh, the Last year, the rollout for NuGet on the Galaxy S7 didn't start until, in the U.S. at least, didn't start until way later, like two months after the stable version was released in other parts of the world. And it goes back to that idea of where is the obligation, where's the carrier obligation here? Um, how much should the carrier be involved in the QC? Obviously a lot, but those um, that, that QC process often holds up those very uh, desirable and important updates. So yeah, we'll talk about that again next week prior to the S9. I, I'm... I like to remember the the person who doesn't listen to podcasts every week and who's not a phone nut. It goes out and buys a phone that looks good and doesn't cost a lot of money. We can't just ignore those people. That's my whole thing here. I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, 100% agree. We cannot ignore those people. They deserve to have great phone experiences too, and they often don't. But there are better choices today. So yeah. Let's end it on a and, and that point at least on a high note, um, Andrew. So one other thing that I want to get to before we start uh, with with a, a brand new topic, you reviewed a pair of USB C headphones from the now eighty eight thousand sold not headphones but phones <laughs> uh, essential. So we learned today that uh, based on some uh, an, an analyst crunched the numbers and decided that Essential has sold under 90,000 Essential phones. Not a great number. You are not reviewing the phone, however, you're reviewing this $100 pair of USB-C headphones. Tell us a little bit about them and why they may or may not be the right choice for you. Yeah, I initially, uh, I think I was uh, messaging with Jerry right when I got them and I was was saying, well, these are so dumb <laughs> who's going to essential to buy a hundred dollar pair of headphones nobody won nobody knows who essential is really uh and they haven't exactly had the best press so why are they bothering with this and then we you know when we were going through a lot of the details we realized that you know there are not a lot of good USB-C headphones out there aren't a lot of USB-C headphones out there to start with very very few good pairs that follow the USB-C audio spec actually sound pretty good have you know, a lot of things going for them, but essential actually made 
a pair that do all of these things. They work with the Essential Phone. They work with the HTC U11. They work with the Pixel 2, um, which is definitely not something that can be said for most USB-C audio accessories. Uh, They work with my MacBook Pro. They are... um, just a standard, uh, as far as USB-C audio goes, they are a standard set of headphones, which automatically puts them way above any other pair that I've seen out there that half the reviews say they don't work with various devices. Um, that's just a good sign from the start. Then it turns out that, you know, they have pretty big drivers for little earbuds. They sound good. They're made really well. And so I kind of say, if you're not going to go all in on Bluetooth, and you don't like the unsightly uh, dongle hanging down from your phone to plug in your old headphones, yeah, why not uh, give these a look? Or Essential also makes a pair with all the same features for $49 with kind of just standard drivers and no no fancy stuff, uh, which may be a bit more palatable for more people. But I was just happy to see a pair of headphones that uh, are USB-C standardized uh, and it just turns out that it was essential that did it. Well, yeah, I, I find, I mean, the main takeaway here for me is that we may have reached a point where all, or at least most USB-C headphones are just cross-compatible with every Hopefully. other USB-C product. Hopefully. I, I mean, hope so. I think it was just a an early standards issue, like the HTC, the pair of HTC headphones that ship in the box with the U11, that those didn't work with a lot of other products. Um I think by the end of 2017, I, the standard has stabilized enough where most things should work with most USB products. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, we just, you know, we went through these growing pains. And like I said, the real issue was also just not having a lot of choices. So I kind of hope that this, you know, is just one more choice and we we get more than this. I'm not saying that these are like the, the best headphones ever. Uh, it's just having a pair that I know I can recommend is not something I had I had before I got these. So here's an idea, Samsung. With the S9, we know that there's going to be a headphone jack, but why don't you ship USB-C headphones with the phone and get everybody using them? No, I know that's not going to happen. People are, <laughs> dun, dun, people dun. are already adding me going, are you stupid? Are you an idiot? <laughs> well, that's because regular earbuds cost Samsung five cents and USB-C headphones would cost them $2. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. your reason. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's an insane difference. I mean, there, the fact that you still can't get a decent pair, a, a cheap, a decent cheap pair of USB-C headphones is bananas, right? right. Like mono price $10 headphones cost nothing and, and are fantastic. The, the big thing that I noted in my review of these headphones was... It, these aren't necessarily that expensive if you're someone that's looking to buy slightly nicer headphones. The problem is that the floor for USB-C headphones is so high yeah. compared to even even decent quality Bluetooth headphones. That's the crazy thing. You can get pretty good quality wireless headphones for much less than a, 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 the cheapest pair of USB-C headphones. Totally, 100%. Um so yeah, I, it's funny because we've been talking a lot about USB-C versus Bluetooth in the last few weeks, and I just bought a pair of Sony, um, the WH-1000MX2 or something. It's the basically the latest pair of Sony's over the they year. They suck. You should send it to me. I should do that, yep, for uh, <laughs> for 24 hours, and you have to send them back. They're amazing. I love that. I love these headphones, and I love 
like Andrew has evangelized noise canceling over the ear headphones for airplanes uh, for for mm-hmm. as long as I've known him. And uh, oh my god, they're so good. Who 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 are you? What did you do with Daniel? I, I am a person who spends a lot of time on airplanes, and airplanes are very loud. Jerry, I don't. It doesn't discount the fact that there's a place for a quiet house with open ear headphones with a really good audio amplifier. I'm just giving a you place. a hard time. No, I know, but like there, <laughs> it seems like there's almost in this, in like the culture of audiophiles, there's like oh, you can't you can't listen to compressed audio with these noise canceling. I mean, what the hell? Like, I'm not going to listen to my HD 6XX and on a plane. Like, you you won't hear anything. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and especially when you're talking smartphones that don't necessarily output the greatest sound anyway. So, you know, yeah. I agree. What, what if you bring your bring your HomePod onto an airplane? Oh, that's a good idea. Just make sure not to get the beautiful, amazing cord snagged on anything. Um, all right, <laughs> so sorry. we're, we're going to take a break, and we're going to thank our first sponsor, Thrifter. So Thrifter is the place to go for all of your weekly deals. And here we go through our favorites of the week to find out what you should buy. And everybody here has some really good ideas. And, and you just had the best segue for mine ever, so I get to go first. Please, take it away. Headphones. Uh, people that want big DJ over-the-ear style headphones and visit our site know that I love them. And I constantly, people are asking me, I need a cheap pair of headphones that still sound really good for my phone. Now there's a pair on sale. There's a Audio Technica, the ATH M20X. They're on sale for so 39 bucks. They they're not going to sound like a pair of $1000 headphones, but they're built for small devices like your phone to drive them well. They will they, they sound great. They're you know, they're comfortable to wear. They fit over your ears. They're not noise canceling through software or electronics, but they're just got big muffs on them and they isolate you and it sounds great. They're 39 bucks. You can see them at Thrifter. If you're looking for those big DJ headphones for use with a smartphone, now you found them. And those headphones, um, there's in that same post, the classic ATH M50X headphones are down to $130. And if you're looking yeah, for yeah. better sound, right. um, like the kind of really high fidelity sound that you expect from $150 headphones, these are like classic studio reference headphones. Like you'll find a lot of people in the music studios using the M50X because they they are they don't add anything. They're just if you want to bump it up to 130 bucks, those are the headphones to buy for your LG phone that has a decent out, you know, sound output. They're not the best headphones to match up with it, but they're going to sound amazing. What's the impedance on those? Uh, uh probably 37. Yeah. You know, it's not, not going to kick it. It's not going to kick in the extra amp in your V30, but you don't mm. need that extra amp all the time. So Right. That's a good match. Yeah. And it's got a detachable um yep. uh cord, which is nice. Oh, AT makes great stuff. I I love their headphones. Andrew, what's your pick for this week? Uh, I know it's a, a kind of lame cop-out, but it saves me from having to actually recommend a, a product. Um, I love that Thrifter does these gift card deals because I'm just a general um, saving money kind of person. 
where they have these things where you can just you could buy a gift card to a place that you were already going to shop anyway and get like five or 10 or 15 percent off. So they have a thing where various they have one of these gift card websites where you can buy a $50 gift card and get a $10 gift card for another place for free. They also have a, you know, buy an Xbox Live gift card for it's like $50 in value for $40. I just love these things so long as you're responsible and you're not buying gift cards just, you know, to just buy extra things. But if it's something that you're already going to buy, go to Thrifter really quickly and see if they've pointed out any of these gift card things and they have long expiration dates. Just make sure you use them and you know, you're getting five, 10, 15% off whatever you buy. I always check these things because I'm kind of a um, little bit of a rewards and points kind of junkie. And so if you just play the cards, right, you know, play it, the cards it can come right. back to you, play the gift cards, <laughs> right. Uh, it can come back to you uh, well. It just look for something that you're already going to be buying anyway. You know, don't speculatively load up on a million Nike gift cards that you're never going to use. Um, and it, it'll be worth your while. That's a really good point. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great deals come just in the form of discounted gift gift cards. And a gift card doesn't have to be for a gift. You know, sure. like hey, if you're shopping for yourself, who cares well, how you I, pay for you it? You deserve to give yourself a gift. Think of Damn it straight. Way. So mine is a, a little different. Mine is a game, and it's probably one of the most enjoyable game experiences I've had in a long time. It is Rocket League Collector's Edition <laughs> for the Switch. Uh, this is $20, so it's half off um, right now. And this is a, a boxed version of the game, but it comes with all of the DLC, which is a lot because the game's been out for a couple of years on Xbox and uh, PlayStation. But the Switch version, even though it kind of it, it deals the the graphical detail down a little bit, it's just so fun to play this on a Switch on that handheld. Uh, you can play it anywhere. Rocket League is, I don't know, it, it's hard to describe. But you play, you're basically like in a car playing soccer slash basketball slash all these other game modes. Um, incredible, incredible experience on the Switch. And uh, they they stay it, it because of the dialing down of the graphics. It, it maintains thirty frames a second, which is important for a game like this. Um, Jerry, do you have you played Rocket League before? Oh yeah, but I don't play. It, it, it's not like playing soccer in a car for me. It's like I'm in a car and I'm doing sweet jumps while these other idiots are playing soccer with their cars. <laughs> right. It's a it's a physics game too. If you're into yeah. You know, you you watch the GTA Five videos where people take semi trucks off of airplanes and land them, you know, on broken bridges. If you're into doing stunts through a physics game, Rocket League is great for that because that's all I can do with it. I suck at playing it. Yeah, but yeah. I have I, a load I'm of fun. Pretty bad at it myself. The one thing too is that um, it doesn't quite scratch the itch of Carmageddon, but it's no. the most <laughs> like Carmageddon I can find in a modern gen game. Um, you're not obviously like murdering other cars, but there is that damage element to it. And I just, I used to play Carmageddon all the time Me too. Uh, on my PlayStation and it's, it was such a good game. Remaster so, that, yeah. Sony. I would love that. That'd be fun. Uh, so, you know, check it out and check out all the deals at thrifter.com. Sign up for their daily newsletter. You get that in your inbox every morning. And as usual, we thank them for sponsoring the show. Okay, so let's continue. Let's talk about one of the biggest changes that Google 
threw at us this week prior to IO. That is the February update with uh, for the Pixel 2 specifically uh, that turns on the Pixel Visual Core. Andrew, walk us through exactly what this is and why it's a big deal. If you were somebody listening to this thinking, I thought I already had the Pixel, Pixel Visual Core enabled on your phone, you are not alone. Uh, Google's messaging on this has just been so funky. Uh, we thought it was enabled out of the box, and then it was. Uh, they started talking about it more, and they enabled it in a beta. But now it's for real turned on for every app, asterisk, <laughs> on your phone that uses the camera. Um, this separate chip is not being used for the built-in camera. So the built-in camera already has all this fancy stuff where it could do HDR plus and all this crazy processing. And we've seen the fruits of that labor. Like the camera is amazing. We know this. The Pixel Visual Core is for third-party apps like Instagram, Snapchat, where you can take a photo inside the, inside the app instead of you know, taking the photo in your regular camera app and sharing it. Now, we know that those photos have always really sucked because they're using a basic camera API that just gets basic feeds from the camera. And like in the case of Snapchat, we all know it just kind of steals a frame out of the live video tap, which is even worse. And now they actually have low-level access to this Pixel Visual Core that can do HDR Plus style processing even in third-party apps. So now the asterisk part, you have to have an app that is targeting Oreo. What API level is that, Jerry? 25? 26, I think. 26. Yeah. Okay, so 26. And also calls... But but at, at that point, all that has to happen is your app you know, was probably already calling uh, uh, the camera API 1 or camera API 2, and it'll just happen from that right. standpoint. So I just got the update on my Pixel 2 and not my Pixel 2 XL. You can notice it right away in things like Instagram where you see in the viewfinder that you have this kind of grainy mess, you ex- you know in like a dark situation, you what you would expect from Instagram taking a photo, you take it and it comes out crystal clear and it has a very wide dynamic range and a wide range of colors, which is amazing. Uh not for the people like myself that, you know, I'm always going to take photos in the stock camera because I want to be able to use, you know, tap to focus and metering and all kinds of different things and mess around with the photos. But this is better for the average person that thinks I open up Instagram to take a photo and that photo is going to be way better provided they have a Pixel 2. Yeah, so this is, uh, it only applies to the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL, but... um I don't think Google has quite explained why now that the Pixel Visual Core has been activated, it only works in third-party apps. Are there any advantages to relying on the Qualcomm DSP inside the camera app, uh, Jerry? It, it doesn't make sense why they're only using this for Snapchat and Instagram. It, it makes sense from a time management standpoint. Advantages, I don't think there are. But if you're Google and you built the phone and uh, not necessarily just Google, you've done the low-level software work where Qualcomm's DSP is able to run HDR Plus to your liking. And that's the way you've not only written the app, but you've developed the kernel so you have the right access at the right level. 
in the right times to to work with Qualcomm's, you know, DSP, which is fine. I certainly expect them to update the stock camera app to take advantage of the visual core, but I expect that to happen when we see another feature that uses the visual core, which is what I'm really looking forward to. And, and they haven't told us what they will be, but I'm disappointed so far because we haven't seen it talked about anything else that's going to use the, the the hardware feature that Google spent probably billions of dollars to develop and put in, you know, the few million phones they've sold. It can do more. So it's going to do more. And I bet that's when they enable, you know, features for their own application. It, it makes no sense to do it now and then turn around and do it later six months from now. Yeah, I feel I feel like the fact that you know mid February is the first time that we're actually seeing it uh, enabled is way behind what their original expectations were for it. A little it. insight on that too. It's a uh, they needed to wait for companies to catch up, just like the Shield TV and Oreo thing. The software's there; it works. They can turn it on and go. But there's no apps to use it yet. So wait and give Instagrams of the world and Snapchats of the world time to target Oreo. Right. So mm. I think they did good there. That was smart. Yeah, I mean, this is it's a, a toe in the water for Google. I think more of a pilot project than anything else. Now that they have so many HTC engineers on board developing for future Pixel phones, we'll see a lot more in this vein in the years to come. Not to say that they won't be powered by Snapdragon, whatever, but they'll just have these separate pieces of silicone inside. Right. We know the Snapdragon can do a really great job using the HDR Plus algorithms because it's doing it, and it yeah. has been. I think that the – right. I And, of course, there are non-Pixel phones that still have pretty good cameras. I just – I, I want to know what Google's – game with this will be in terms of can they can they turn this into extra sales for the pixel no uh or pixel 2 I don't obviously think that's their game that's the thing how do they because they very easily could they could run a massive billboard iphone style that shows a bunch of photos taken on the iphone they are you know they can partner with instagram and say this is what an instagram photo looks like taken on the pixel 2 sure and this is what an instagram photo looks like taken on the galaxy s9 and the pixel 2s is going to look nicer because it has this additional chip that can process but photos what this does is this gives and, and once google has paid for all the r&d in the chip you're talking pennies per unit so google can take this technology and give it away to the Xiaomi's of the world or whoever wants to build Android Go phones. And your cheap phone can have a great camera as long as it runs Android. I think that's their end goal. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's something that we'll definitely keep a lookout for um, in the months to come. We, we know that there's going to be vis uh, Pixel Visual Core related announcements at I.O. I mean, there have to be. But uh, we're also looking forward to Android P. Today, a report said that Android P will explicitly support screens with notches like the iPhone X and the Essential phone, actually, and that it will also have explicit support for foldable displays like the Galaxy X from Samsung. You know, these are things that we've anticipated for a long time. Um, 
this doesn't surprise me. I don't think Android doesn't support phones with notches today. Clearly it does with the Essential Phone and the upcoming Huawei P20, uh, which we know is going to be announced later in the in the year, um, specifically in March. Jerry, is there anything interesting here? Or is this just a nothing burger? No, no. This is this is interesting for what you've come up with after you think about it and look into it. Google's going to find a way to make the people that are developing apps work around stupid notches in phones that are all screen. That's the Android. I mean, it draws UI elements wherever you tell it to draw it. But the telling it to draw it is the tough part and telling it where there might be a notch and all this other stuff, that, that's a lot of work to support just one phone. Google's responsibility is to make their development tools kind of just do it once you right. say, hey, I want this to support notch phones too. And I think this announcement is more about the development tools and how the APIs that already exist might be changed than it is something new, which is still awesome. Yeah. I, I just think about it in the same way as we see a lot of uh, these two-by-one aspect ratio phones. Yes, Google has to be thinking, of course, about you know how does Android and how do apps on Android get laid out on a two-by-one screen versus a 16-by-9 yeah. screen. And think about all these phones that have rounded corners. All these, uh, you know, all of these phone makers had to tell the OS to not draw things in those corners because the OS doesn't know right. that the display has uh, these, you know, handful of pixels in the corner rounded, and so they have to shift over the notification bar and shift in or shift over the notification icons and shift in the um, the status icons. Like these are not. It, that's not to say like there was no story written in Bloomberg when Google made it possible to shift in the status bar for rounded corners. It, so th- this is just this is just Google adapting to what companies are going to want to do with phones that run Android. They have to think about a lot of different this scenarios. This is also a way for any publication to say the word Android and iPhone X in the same title. Let's not ignore uh, well, that part. This this was a, a big deal was made of this is because. Oh, Android Android is going to support uh, iPhone feature, and they're going to copy the iPhone, which was yeah, by design. That's how this industry works. I I hate that you know hashtag analysis. It's so easy. It's so simple. It's so dumb to just say. I, you know, I saw so many comments and headlines that were just saying, you know. Google's getting in on the notch because that's just a cool thing to do. No, the cool thing to do is to make a phone that does all of that stuff and doesn't have a notch. That's the, that's the cool, the cool thing, thing for Google to do is to make software that works either way. So you buy a phone if you want a stupid notch and, and you just, well, do no it. kidding. So, but that, yeah, that message kind of got buried. And, and I think a lot of it is because the iPhone X has a notch, but for all of us, this is great. This is, Google has a real problem, and as screen sizes start to get different, it's that problem is not going to go away. They have a problem with tablet apps and Chromebook apps now, and then rounded corners. All of that works, and it's not that difficult to do, but it's a lot of fine-tuning for you know, all these odd sizes that manufacturers might use. There's a lot of work involved for a developer, even if it's easy work. Developers don't want to do it. I don't blame them. Google has to fix that. 
Yeah, I think that's the important thing is Google is thinking ahead about all of the different kinds of form factors and screen sizes and things that companies might do. So they have to do potentially less customization on their end uh, before they ship something. It'll, it's a little bit more plug and play, and we all benefit from that. Hey, Jerry. Yes. How do you feel about aliens? Uh, I believe in them. I think you that, do. Yes, I, I want them to take me away from this horrible rock. If you're listening, yeah. come down and get me. I'm the Fresh Prince of Bunker Hill. You can't miss me. <laughs> well, until that happens, just know that Earth is actually being taken over by aliens. And all they want is to eat your friends. That's the game Gunhouse, And it's available right now on GameStash for free. This is a great premium game. It's $2.99 in the Play Store. And it is part of your $4.99 per month subscription to GameStash which comes with Gunhouse and hundreds of other fantastic games. Gunhouse, Gunhouse in particular is super fun. It's got really nice cartoony graphics, awesome frame rates, and some really, really interesting puzzles to solve throughout 50-plus uh, levels. It's got the same composer as the renowned indie game Fez, which is really nice. And it's got so much to upgrade. You get upgradable levels. It's a... Uh, lots of, inf uh, you know, every level is random, so you get tons of uh, different variety, a unique art style, and as I said, fantastic music. Gunhouse is available with your GameStash subscription, and if you want to try Gunhouse or any of the other hundreds of games, you can go to GameStash.com slash ACPod and sign up for two weeks of free GameStash service. That's GameStash.com slash ACPod, and you can get two weeks for free. It's a really good service, and I highly, highly recommend it. That sounds like a fun game. Last on the list. Okay, so we're going to talk quickly. Galaxy S8 Oreo slash Galaxy Experience 9 slash Oreo not... Or Emoji doesn't suck anymore. <laughs> Emojis don't suck anymore. Slash... Oreo on on the Galaxy S8 does not support treble. Um, so, Andrew, the update is starting. We know this uh, because Samsung announced it and also because people are actually getting it in Europe. Not on my T-Mobile one. Uh. Not on your T-Mobile or Unlocked or any of the U.S. variants right now. Um, it doesn't support treble. Jerry, is this a problem? W what's up with that? Well, to be blunt, it didn't support treble on purpose because Samsung's not ready to make that move yet. They purposefully, the Note 8 is a great example, released with older software on purpose so it didn't have to support a feature they're not ready to implement. Now, we can find all kind of conspiracy theories about why. Chances are it's just because they're not ready. That's a lot of work. So I don't think it's Samsung trying to hurt anything, and it didn't seem to affect the update at all. You know, they, they got it out as late as usual. It's right on schedule. So I, I don't think this is as big a deal as we want it to be. Okay, so that's fine. The update's here. It doesn't support trouble, which won't really impact anything in the future because this phone is a year old. It's It has an update path anyway. Samsung knows it. Carriers know it. But Andrew, one big deal is that the emoji on this, uh, on the update with uh, Samsung Experience Darn 9 right. are way better. And I mean, like, 
basically all of our complaints of Samsung's horrible, traditionally horrible <laughs> emojis have been fixed. Um, <laughs> They're basically like the pixels, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, more uh, or less. Now, now it's your turn, Microsoft. Daniel, weren't we just talking about this the day before we found out? Microsoft's yeah. Microsoft yeah. Windows, horrible. Windows 10, come on, baby, let's fix that. If I've got to look at them, make them cool. And I've noticed this now because, uh, quick sidebar, that Slack updated yes. to show n- the emoji of the OS that your Slack app is installed on instead of it's, you know, just choosing one. Uh, I noticed that when I went to go put the gun emoji on my Mac and it's a squirt gun now, which is just great. <laughs> oh, that's um, a whole other. Don't, don't, don't go there. We don't. <laughs> Samsung also and made now, a squirt gun yeah, in, yeah, so, in this recent but, release. And also, but now the Slack app on my Galaxy S8, which I've been using a lot, has the just horrendously bad emoji, especially the Grimace and one. Somebody should be fired exactly for making that Grimace That's exactly what I was one. looking at when I complained to Daniel. I'm like, what the hell is wrong here? And <laughs> yeah. it's the so, same exact so reason. So this is one more thing that Samsung is on the right side of, of history on. The yeah, emoji. hopefully, the, you know, our, our, our horrible... Um, time our, our 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 anguish is over so let's let's talk sp- <laughs> like the dark days. Let's, nightmare let's talk uh, thank you that that was the <laughs> phrase i was looking for um let's talk quickly about the specific changes so the off center faces are now centered like google's uh they don't they're not quite as flat as google's um with with the ones that uh, debuted with oreo they they have a little bit more um of a kind of a 3d space like apples, but they're not quite as skeuomorphic, I guess, as apples. Um, they're maybe less uh, extremely expressive. Yeah. They're a little. It's a little bit more easy to understand in a normal emoji size than the previous ones. Require they had a lot of intricate details that were unnecessary. Right. I, I'm sitting here looking at them, and, and I'll be honest. I put a smiley face at the end of things, but. Not because of an emoji, because I'm very, very old, and that's what we did on the internet way back when, a little text smiley. Right. So emojis end up just happening, and I have to look at them. I think Samsung did it right. Theirs is a, like you said, it's a it's a cross between Apple's, which are a little over the top, and Google's, which are a little underwhelming. And as on the emoji scale, Samsung, you you, this is a 10. Just go. You did it, baby. Yeah, they fixed why, all of them. Why was there drooling emoji like why did the top half of the guy's head why was it white it looked and like blue? a scream they took the scream emoji and then they added drool to the mouth and that was the I drool just, one when would you use a drool emoji is is my question i mean why when are there hungry. more than why are there more than three emojis uh, that, <laughs> i'm just not really good at this stuff so um so one thing obviously the grimace emoji that we use at, uh, in the ac slack oh channel has now f- been fixed it no longer looks like i don't even know like a like an angry which alien. is my my most used emoji probably 15 times more than my second most used is the grimace so i'm really glad that it's in i line. will say that i never used the grimace emoji until i started working with andrew and now i use it <laughs> yeah. all the time so highly recommended it's so versatile I just use the eggplant emoji because somebody oh, told that looks me better that's cool. <laughs> yeah. One thing, actually, one thing that Samsung fixed here that's going to be important to us is the cookie emoji. It no longer looks like cracker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
It doesn't look like a Ritz it cracker anymore. It now looks anymore. like an actual cookie. So well done, Samsung. Um, and, a, and a few other fixes as well. The, the, whole, the whole set just looks better. Obviously, this is not supporting the ones that were just announced a few days ago. Those are going to be coming in, in the Android P update later this year, which Samsung will get in 2023. So, um, you know... Oh well, but at least your pixels. Well, no. Nexuses Once they've updated to Oreo, no, no, no. I mean, the, so Unicode eleven, the one that was actually announced like last week, that that will be coming in iOS twelve, and it'll be coming with Android P or the latest version of P I got this year. So they they brought um, out a new version of the Unicode type thing. Yeah, yeah. Unicode always up gets the the new release always gets announced early in the year so that it gives Apple and all the other companies, Google time to, to implement them. Um, some really interesting ones like a kangaroo. Um, <laughs> there will be red haired equivalents of people now. So you can actually acknowledge that red haired people are, are real. Um, so there's like, you know, a, a whole set of, of red haired people. It's fantastic. Um, there's a <sighs> raccoon, which is close to my heart in Toronto because we're overrun with them. Uh, what is it? Lettuce, toilet paper, cupcake, lettuce, uh, hot face, cold face. Um, what else? They're just going to start getting so granular that it's just going to be impossible <laughs> to to discern them when you when you start to throw in these little intricate intricate differences between manufacturers or you know, OS manufacturers. Oh, <sighs> there's a good one. There's a woozy face. So when you come to work drunk. Uh, you just have to say, put out the woozy face emoji, and we will know what's going on. I think my neighbor Carl made these new emojis after what we did Friday night, and he was all lit up. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, where what's become of the world? Why do Lobster, we need mosquito? Thanks, Carl. Can, kangaroo, um, mosquito, lettuce emojis. You know yeah. what? I'm going to use the hell out of it. It's them. just a random word generator now. We'll end there for today because uh, Andrew's got to go, and uh, that is it. So tell him where you're going, Andrew. Th- throw it on me, jeez. I'm, I have a haircut to get. Hey, to. man's got to look good. If you knew Andrew, him. right? If you knew Andrew, you would know that he takes his haircuts very seriously. He's always very, very well groomed. Listen, you have hair. You have to use it while you have it. <laughs> <laughs> that is an ex- that is an excellent point. While I still have this thick, luscious brown hair, exactly. I will, you know, try to oh, take care of it. You, okay? Do you know I cut fourteen inches of my hair off? Did you? It's, oh, good yep, lord! It's only shoulder length now. It was wow. it was to the point where I was sitting on it. So I'm like, this enough is enough. <laughs> and my wife just grabbed the scissors and, where do you want it? And I showed her, and, and it's gone. Huh. Well, I look forward to seeing you at I.O. because that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, Jerry, thank you very much. You are you are a fantastic human, even if you are no longer powered by your hair. Well, yeah, I, I lost my strength like that guy from the Bible. Like Samson. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, oh that's, like what I, that's where I was going. Yes. Yeah, Samsung. I, I, what Samsung. That? Yeah. You lost your strength. <laughs> you got your hair cut off. Uh, Jesus. Exactly. And uh, Andrew, enjoy your haircut. Thank you for joining us. You are also a wonderful human. I, I will enjoy the necessity of it. Yes. Well, enjoy it while you can. That's all Tell I'm them to line you up in the back real good. 
even though you can't see it we can see it so and if you are out there listening thank you so much for coming back week after week and spending some time with us we really appreciate it we will have one more podcast next week before mwc begins and then as usual we will have our live mwc extravaganza in barcelona talk about woozy <laughs> talk about woozy exactly you will hear the beers be clinking can't wait for that one that's a really fun one we do every year until then until next week have a great one and uh, we will talk to you then bye-bye bye everybody hey there's a there's a hippo emoji <laughs> bye everyone